This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. And welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat here. As we are getting closer and closer to the NHL trade deadline, we will have plenty of deadline discussion in the second segment of this show where we'll talk about all of the rumors, including some, I thought already debunked Ben Sherratt rumors, but we'll touch on it. Uh, we'll touch on some other players as well that we've heard throughout the grapevine as all that is it has been up to this point, has been rumors for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we'll try to sift through it, see if we can get an idea as to who will be playing on the Penguins one week from today. But that's all for the second segment. We're going to start off this episode with our review of the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Nashville Predators. Not a great night for the Penguins down there in Nashville as they lose 4-1 to to the Preds. Overall, just a very frustrating game, Horwat. And it happens. You get those frustrating games. You get it. We discussed how we were kind of confident in going into Nashville and playing with uh, <clears throat> some happy memories. Mm-hmm. And then you remember, oh, yeah, it's a different year. That was five years ago almost, and you can't hold on to those memories. Wait, you can't. You can't bank on those memories forever to bring you more success. The only thing they are is happy memories that we always looked fondly on in the past and realize we're in the current. It's been a long time. It is time to uh, play your game. And the Penguins did that. It wasn't a bad game from the Penguins' standpoint for the most part. you got to take advantage of the right things, and you can't play stupid. But um, overall, things could have been better. But it wasn't the worst game we've ever played, I guess you could say. No, not by, by any stretch of the word. I thought the Pittsburgh Penguins, when you look at it, I mean, there's somebody, again, i gotta, I got to start earmarking these Twitter tweets that I see and making sure I give credit to them. So whoever said it, I apologize, but they said, this is honestly probably the best game the Penguins have played out of their last three. And they won the previous two, one of them against the Carolina Hurricanes and the other against the Vegas Golden Knights. So the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins were able to go out there, I thought they controlled the majority of the five on five play, the analytics, they, they show that as well. I mean, they outchanced Nashville at five on five, basically two to one. Penguins had 22 scoring chances to Nashville's only 11. And then you look at high danger chances at five on five. Penguins outperformed Nashville there as well with a nine to two total. And I really think that if you watch the game, it just kind of, it felt that way. It felt like the Penguins were continuing to control the pace of play until, of course, there were penalties taken. There were nine penalties taken in this game between these two teams. So there was a lot of time on the man advantage for each team. But at five on five, I thought the Penguins performed exceptionally well. Good. That's exactly what we want to see. I wasn't able to see a lot of the game, but again, I get the score. I got score updates. I was able to catch some highlights, and it just didn't look totally terrible. And I'm also taking your word for a lot of things. <laughs> um, judging by Twitter, we're uh, two games, three games into the uh, Latang Matheson experiment, and everything I said about every positive thing I said about it is out the window. And uh, people don't seem to be happy with it. But then again, that could have just been one play. Mm-hmm. And like I said then. When the tang blows up, he blows up. Oh, he it did. happens. We're aware of it. We are fully aware of what can happen. Uh, sometimes it'll cost us. And we're not going to stick him to the second line, are we? 
No, Latang is not going to move down the lineup by any stretch of the word. But I, I think that's a good point as well. When you watch that game last night between Matheson and Latang, they had a bad night. Matheson not as bad as Chris Latang, but here's the other side of the coin. Chris Latang also had first and foremost the amazing pass in the offensive zone to set up Jake Gensel for the only Pittsburgh Penguins goal. And secondly, he had what is one of the most beautiful breakout passes you can imagine from a defenseman from behind his own net, sent it down to the far blue line, Kapanen right on his stick. It landed perfectly on the ice, sent Kapanen in on a breakaway. And as I tweeted and we'll talk about anybody but Kapanen, I would have rather seen. I know AP Spicy on Twitter commented, yeah, well, Dom Simone's still a thing. I would have even taken Dom Simone on a, on a breakaway besides Kasperi Kapanen right now. I mean, Simone is inept. Don't get me wrong. I don't think Simone is a... He, he's not a great goal scorer in this this league. But at the same time, his confidence is higher than zero. It might be at two, but it's higher than zero. And Kapanen, I can only imagine how tight his stick was being gripped at that point. He is petrified of the fact that he has been on this cold streak. And you can see it right there as well on that breakaway. He comes in, barely does a deke, and shoots it right into UC Saros' chest protector. Ah, another shot in the chest. Gotta love it. Yep. Uh, I would have I would have taken anybody over Captain in that situation too. Simone, at least we know, would want to do something cool and give us an opportunity, mm-hmm. something interesting and entertaining. Whereas Captain, we knew nothing was going to come from it. And I get off of just coming off of uh, not bashing Latang, but saying Latang can blow up sometimes. What a pass! Yeah, what a feed! It's this is why he's still great. This is why you still put him on the first line and you. Accept the errors with the positives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes it's mind-numbing because he had such a poor game except for a couple of plays, but those couple of plays are so gorgeous and so effective that it's hard to stay mad. Like, you can be mad. Obviously, he took a bad penalty in the third period, one of three two-minute minors that the Pittsburgh Penguins took while down by a couple goals in the third. That's something you don't like to see, and it's something you don't normally see, so it's not something that going forward is going to be an issue for the Pittsburgh Penguins, at least you don't expect it to be. But Latang's game, other than those two passes, I mean, the second goal, Matheson and Latang basically run into each other at the top of the offensive zone, which sends Tanner Janot in on a breakaway. He scores a goal. And, and then, of course, the penalties, another turnover that led to a breakaway by Chris Latang right at his own blue line. It wasn't a great night for Tanger. It was not a great night for Matheson. I mean, that pairing altogether didn't didn't perform exceptionally well. You even saw Brian Dumlin take a couple shifts with Chris Latang again. But you still have to give it a little bit more of a sample size. You knew this was going to happen. If you expected them to go the rest of the season on the same pairing and not have a game like this, you were fooling yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely you were. It's It was just experimental time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Experiment is over. Yeah. So I hate to toot my own horn. I love being right. But uh, Tanner Janot, I'm trying to think of the other, the other players' names right now because it's early in the morning and my head is just stopped. But uh, Tanner Janot, Trennan, and who was the other player? Why can't I think? But those three players that are depth scorers for the Nashville Predators, I said to keep an eye on because they've been a little bit cold to start the month of March, but they've been really important players to the Nashville Predators all season long. Yeah, they went out there, and all three of them scored a goal. Tolvanen? Uh, yeah. Tolvanen, Janot, and Yakov Trenin all scored a goal, second, third, and fourth goals. I know Trenin's was an empty netter, 
to to give the Predators the win. And the other goal, uh, the other big game was by Roman Yossi, who had three assists. He was just absolutely on fire and proving why he is a Norris Trophy ca- candidate. But at the end of the day, that's what it came down to. The Nashville Predators were able to beat Casey DeSmith on the great opportunities that were afforded to them. And UC Soros on the other end just looked at the Pittsburgh Penguins and basically said, nope, not today. Uh, I'm going to show you why I'm a Vezina Trophy caliber goaltender this season. I'm going to show Nick Horwat why he should remember the name UC Soros. And he absolutely shut down the Pittsburgh Penguins. 35 saves on 36 shots. He was dominant tonight. Or that last Let's night. <laughs> It sure seemed like it. 35 saves is a lot. And, <clears throat> you know, I just forgot he was there. Sorry, I'm so used to average Pekka, okay? <laughs> Look, I don't know what you want me to say. I'm not used to them having a good goalie. I gotta get, give me some time there. Mm-hmm. Well, I know he's been their backup forever, and like I said, he's not average Pekka. Yeah, he, he's much better than average Pekka. I mean, Pekka yes. Rene was a Vezina Trophy winner, so this is... Peak Pekka is what we're seeing by UC Soros and the potential to honestly, I don't, I wouldn't want to say better because it's still, I mean, he's been there for a while. He's been there since at least before the 2017 Stanley cup run, but he's really just getting started in the prime of his career. So who knows how much better he can get. But as, as of right now, he's absolutely dominant and was absolutely phenomenal against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, the big difference was special teams. Obviously the Penguins, Power play had four opportunities. We said there were nine combined penalties in the game. Not a single power play goal, though, which is good for the Penguins' penalty kill. It was at its best tonight. Five out of five on the kill only allowed six shots on five penalties. So that is a really good performance by Teddy Bluger and the boys. I thought that they played exceptionally well. I was watching on the Predators broadcast, and they were giving the Penguins massive props on their penalty kill and, and highlighting what they were able to do. But for as good as the penalty kill was, the Pittsburgh Penguins power play. I mean, back to the drawing board, Volucci. We got to figure something out. Oh, sorry. That is, uh, that's Todd Reardon. That's the power play. I always forget that the defensive coach coaches the power play. Yeah. And you know what? It, it is just back to the drawing board. The fact, I mean, our, our penalty kill can hold it down. We're aware of this. They were top two, top three in the league for a long time. We know what they're capable of. It is, it is a matter of finding the power play to, you know, be successful. That that was an absolute downfall at the beginning of the season. We're just regressing again. Mm-hmm. We had, yeah, in the beginning of the season, we didn't have the names that we needed on our power play, so we weren't going to score. But now we have them. And when we had them, when they were coming back, we the power play looked good. It looked like it was picking up again. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't care how many points Gino gets. If they're all power play points, fine by me. Because you know what he's doing? Scoring and taking advantage of the man advantage. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're not doing that. And I don't care who does it, but someone's got to contribute on the power play. I don't know what needs to change because... what Really, what can you change? Can you flip names out? Because that doesn't seem like it would work. Uh, I feel like changing the unit is a little drastic as a response to this. And I honestly, I don't think they're going to change their philosophy very much. The one thing that does bother me, and you saw it last night, you saw it against Carolina, if these penalty kills that the Penguins are going up against are aggressive with them, are attacking the point, then it shuts down the Penguins' power play and they can't get anything going. The Penguins like to use the top of the zone for their power play. Malkin, Latang, Crosby gets up there, Brian Russ sometimes floats up there on the far boards. That's where they like to do their work, and then they let Jake Gensel go low, they let Crosby drift low, same as Brian Russ, and they just collapse on the zone while most of the time Latang and Malkin are passing it back and forth. But 
these penalty kills are aggressive. They're not giving these guys time to play around with it up top. They have to make the adjustment when that's happening to go low and start trying to pierce the middle of the, the zone because if they don't do that, these teams are going to be able to get out there, get aggressive, and get on you quickly, which forces turnovers, and for the Pittsburgh Penguins, forces a lot of odd man breaks on the other side for the team that's shorthanded because Latang will make a mistake. Evgeny Malkin at the top of the zone is known for making mistakes defensively because it's not his, it's not his specialty. So that's what the Penguins need to work on. They've always needed to work on it, but I don't think there's going to be much of a, of a change. I just think that when they face teams like that, the Carolinas, who has the number one penalty kill in the league for a reason, when you face a team like that, you have to work on piercing the middle of the zone because that forces them to collapse in on it, and they just weren't able to do that on Sunday against Carolina, and they weren't able to do it on Tuesday against Nashville. Yeah, it's it's the biggest flaw right now, again. <laughs> it's, it's not what it should be. When you look at the lineup, especially on Tuesday... You had Simone back in because of the Zach Aston Reese illness. I mean, he, he it's non-COVID related. He'll probably honestly be back by Thursday against the, who would they play Thursday? Why, again, I'm blanking on it again, but it's the Blues. It's Colorado, oh, it's Blues. Yeah, the St. Louis Blues. They play Colorado twice in April back-to-back. Uh, that I have that definitely remembered. But they play the Blues on Thursday. I would not be surprised if Zach Aston Reese was in the lineup for that one. It feels like a similar situation to Brian Doolman late last week where something might just be going around. Might be a 24-hour bug. Who knows what it is. But with Aston Reese out and the fact that the penalty kill was still 5 for 5, it shows that there is depth when it comes to the Penguins on the man disadvantage. There is, and it's that's a good thing. And your goalie should always be your best penalty killer in both. Uh, we definitely know Jari's refound a game for what he had last postseason. Mm-hmm. And uh, DeSmith has rebuilt himself a little bit. Yeah, Not the greatest game uh, last night, but it happens, I guess. So before we move on, I do want to talk a little bit about the lineup changes, other than obviously Aston Reese being out, and then that including the fact that Dominic Simone was placed in. Let me bring up the lineup really quickly. Shout out to Doug for texting it to me yesterday. I appreciate that. But uh, the one big thing, Evan Rodriguez placed on the first line with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel, and Brian Russ bumped down to play with Evgeny Malkin. What do you think of them actually making that move? I know we talked about it a little bit, potentially breaking up the first line. Do you like the fact that they were able to do that in this game, or do you think that, realistically, don't mess with the first line because you know it's going to perform pretty much nine times out of ten? Yeah, I'm full-on don't mess with the first line. Not yet. It's not that time yet. Because, sure, you want your depth to start doing something, but it's if it ends up being the same three guys that are contributing, then that doesn't mean anything to the depth scoring. Mm-hmm. doesn't change that. It just gives them a couple of assists. Uh, basically, fall back onto what I said last episode. It's not ideal right now, just because they have to figure their own way out, not be handed a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking at the lineup, though, I didn't mind watching Evan Rodriguez on that first line. I know a year ago, if I would have heard myself say that, I probably would have induced vomiting. But... Jake Gensel, Crosby, and Rodriguez, I thought he's he had been playing better since he went up with Evgeny Malkin, and I think that he played pretty well on Tuesday night with that Crosby and Gensel line. And Brian Rust and Malkin and Heinen, I mean, that line, when I think about it, is just absolutely ridiculous. Brian Rust and Evgeny Malkin, it's the first time we've seen them play on the same line in a long time, but we all know that there is evident chemistry there, and the fact that it has worked so well in the past, and with how well Heinen has been playing, I don't mind seeing that as a second line. I would love to see, honestly, 
I'd love to see Rodriguez as a third liner. I've always said that that is, if he is performing the way he performed at the beginning of the season on the third line, that is the best case scenario for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I don't mind trying it out, especially in this period where we've said it is the most volatile the Penguins lineup has ever been under Mike Sullivan. We've seen three completely different lineups in three different days. Part of that is due to the injury of McGinn. Part of that is due to the sicknesses of Brian Dumoulin and now Zach Aston-Reese. But these lineups have been so vastly different every single day for the past three games. And honestly, I'm having fun experimenting in this aspect because even with that experimentation the penguins still sit in third place in the metro they're still five two and one during this stretch against really difficult opponents that'll finish up on thursday against the blues and they're still honestly in every single one of these games now this is the first game they've lost by more than one goal in this stretch but they as we mentioned outplayed the predators at five on five this entire night on tuesday night so i don't hate the fact that sullivan is starting to experiment especially a week before we get to the deadline to see what the penguins have i like it yeah it's it's what we want to see out of a out of a hockey team this close to the trade deadline it's good we're not doing it a full month in advance it's good we're not doing it even three weeks in advance we saw under two weeks and said now's a good time we have a good placement we're not going to lose a playoff spot for a couple of weeks of not not even losing of just experimenting yeah we're not guaranteeing ourselves losses by doing this. No, they're 2 and one since they started doing it. Yeah, we're seeing what we have. So I don't hate this idea at all either. It's video game play almost. It's like you got you got free reign to kind of take advantage of a good situation that you're in. You know, you had the beginning of the season to see what you had depth-wise because we had nobody in the lineup. Then you saw it, and now it's let's see what they can do with a fully healthy close to as fully healthy as we're going to get lineup so it's it's solid i like this idea of video game play almost just experimenting with um our options ahead of making a deal or two Mm -hmm. the only other thing that i saw on tuesday that i haven't seen in a long time mike sullivan has made it abundantly clear that if he actually deploys malkin crosby gensel for a five-on-five shift That is the nuclear option. That is when all else fails, we will do this. We do not see it very often. It doesn't happen often. It's basically like John Cooper's version, or or Mike Sullivan's version of pulling the goalie with seven minutes left in the game down by three. It is, hey, when all else fails, nothing's going right for us. I mean, everything was going right for the Penguins, but they couldn't get a balance. And they said, let's force the issue. Let's put these guys out here. That's the first time in a long time I've seen Crosby and Malkin deployed on multiple shifts at five on five. That's interesting. That's really fun. It's you have the firepower, use it. It yeah. is nuclear option. It is last case, worst case scenario, I guess. But it's sometimes it's just fun to do that too. Mm-hmm. Try your experiments. See which one's good on the wing. You never know what you might need in the future. I think we're far enough through their careers that I'm not too worried about which one of them's good on the wing. I'd prefer they stayed apart, but I understand on Tuesday, like you were down by two goals, you were on the penalty kill six out of the 20 minutes in the last period you wanted to try to force something quickly and the best way to do that is to put your best players on the ice and those three are by far the best players I mean Brian Rust you could probably float in there but Gensel Crosby and Malkin are their best forwards no doubt for sure those are the top three I mean Gensel's the one that scored and you always 
also try and ride the hot hand. That was a great goal too, by the way. Did oh. not we didn't give enough credit to that. Yeah, no, the, the pass the play made off the faceoff altogether was really good. Obviously, Crosby to Latang, Latang passed it through what it seemed to be like all eight of the other players on the ice to find Jake Gensel, and the patience and shot by Gensel were absolutely phenomenal. I guess we we did kind of glance over that. But I mean, it's Jake. Gensel. It's hard when it's it's hard when that's the only thing we had going for us I, positively last night. They played well. That's the only time they broke through UC Soros. But at this point, like that's the thing. It was such a good goal. But it's Jake Gensel. It's 29th of the season. We almost expected from him now, and that's a good thing. It, it just goes to show you how much it's not ridiculous how good Jake Gensel is. But uh, I, I guess it, props to him for sure because that is something that a lot of players in this league can't do. And he makes it look easy. So obviously always grateful to have JG59 on the first line. But, you know, the Penguins trying to get healthy. Jason Zucker skating. That's a good sign. Brock McGinn, we don't know when he's going to be back. He's obviously dealing with a wrist injury. And now Zach Aston-Reese out with sickness. So those three are out of the lineup. You know who else isn't in the lineup? Whoever the Penguins are trading for. So we'll talk about that after we come back from this short break. We'll be right back. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team to get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customer a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're four days away now, for what? Very little moves have been made by the NHL up to the trade deadline. I believe Josh Manson got traded from Anaheim to Colorado a couple days ago. I believe yesterday it was Tyson Tyson Jost going from Colorado to Minnesota in exchange for, who did they bring back? It was Nico Sturm, I believe. So, I almost said Nico Dawes. That's not right. Not quite. Um, so very quiet up to the point, up to this point for the deadline. And obviously, I've heard many people say this. It's probably due to the fact that everybody's up against the cap and they're waiting it out to try to get better prices, better you know, try to get less pieces out and better pieces in. So we'll see what happens. We'll see who bites. We'll see who gets nervous first. But as of right now, it's been very quiet leading up to the NHL trade deadline on Monday. It has been very quiet. Mm-hmm. It could be for any number of reasons. Maybe guys just don't want to trade their players away. We know why Giroux hasn't gotten dealt yet. He's got a thousand games to hit first, and then a ceremony to have. Maybe that's a 
That's a big, long situation for Claude Giroux, isn't it? Where is he even at? Is he going to be able to hit the hit the 1,000 game mark before so, the deadline? Yes. The, the thing is, he's able to hit 1,000, I think it's like Saturday. Okay, well... I mean, but then it's a matter of the ceremony. You see, I don't think they really care that much about the ceremony. They don't? They don't care about their captain of how many years? Well, I'm sure they do, to... but... At the end of the day, business precludes everything. All right, you have that to team imagine. Had, like obviously, that team has that team and that fan base does not have much else to live for this year. Is that game I on think. Saturday at home or in Philly or is it away? I think I don't remember. I just know that it, the, the situation is clearly that they want to trade him. I think clearly he wants yeah. out. Maybe one like that's the biggest rumor coming out of Claude Giroux. And then there's 1,000 games that he could hit. It's like maybe the Friday or Thursday before or Saturday, whatever it may be. But you can't hold the ceremony on 999 and then or like before his 1,000th game because something's got to happen there. You also don't want his 1,000th game played in a different uniform because imagine that. Hey, it's your first game here, buddy. Uh, this is awkward, but we're going to have a big old celebration for you. Yeah, let Unless me. you trade him to the team you're playing that day, but that just doesn't make sense either because I think it's like the Islanders or something. Um, okay, so Claude Giroux has played in 999 career games. He would be able to hit game number 1,000 tonight against the, Phil- against the Nashville Predators. Or sorry, Thursday night against the Nashville Predators. And then they play on the road against the Senators on Friday and at home on Sunday at 2 o'clock against the Islanders. So he can play in 1,000 on Thursday, he can have the ceremony on Sunday, and he can be traded on Monday. That's just a lot of, we gotta get this done, we gotta get this going now. You you have to have, like, the deal has to basically already be in place. I'm sure that there's something, the fact that he's that close, and he can get to 1,000 and have his ceremony before the trade deadline, I'm sure whichever team he's going to will understand that. I'm sure they're gonna be like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, no, I'm sure too. It's just, it's just funny that that's the biggest trade deadline news we have. There's been, there's been rumors, but again, no deals really. Yeah, I just feel like this is the biggest one because, like, what other rumors have there been? I mean, aside from Penguin ones that we'll discuss, there's, I mean, DeBrusque isn't going anywhere again. That's the thing. A lot of the biggest names either got injured or are not going anywhere. Like DeBrusque is no longer going to be traded. Klingberg isn't going to be traded because of the injury to Miro Haskin and the fact that the Dallas Stars are going for the playoffs. And uh, Jacob Chikrin just got injured. He's out four to six weeks. So his stock went way down. It was already down because he was having a, a rough season. He turned it around and then he got injured. So it's going to be a very interesting deadline day. And let's shift over to talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins version of this. Let's start with this. On, was it Tuesday, before the game against the Predators, a couple rumors started coming out. A couple articles started coming out about the Penguins being interested in Ben Sherratt of the Montreal Canadiens. Some of the rumors even said that the Penguins would trade a first-round pick to get Ben Sherratt, who is a rental, in for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Horwat, I think you know my opinions on this, as I texted very extensively whenever this came out to you and Doug Gladkey. But what are your thoughts on the rumors about Ben Sherratt that have, up to this point, basically been debunked? They've been debunked, except the original rumor breaker on that one doubled down on it in his own little way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my thoughts on it are, please 
God, no. Like, exactly the gif you sent. Please, God, no. <laughs> I don't want to stay far away. Definitely not for a first. We, we have so much defense that we have a good defenseman healthy scratched right now. Yeah. We have multiple good defensemen healthy scratched, really. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, the defense is not what we need to do. And that's not what we need to add to. Maybe subtract from, perhaps? Sure, that's the discussion we'll get into, but just adding to our defense is a big no from me. Again, I don't run the team. I don't know the ins and outs, but just no. No chance in hell do I want a defenseman brought onto the Pittsburgh Penguins. Does the defense leave stuff to be leave a lot to be desired at times? Yes, and I think it was proven in Nashville. But you know what it is otherwise a good a good core of defensemen. We didn't expect Chad Rui to play da- to, to play damn near every game this year, and here he is. Mm-hmm. We didn't expect Mark Friedman to be the cult hero. Here he is. We didn't expect Marcus Pedersen to be the healthy scratch. Well, here we go. Dumoulin's on the second line because Matheson's having a good season. Mm-hmm. It's chaos yeah. in a good way here mm-hmm. right now. You don't want to add to it by tossing in a Ben Sherratt who can just pitfall. Pitfall, sure. Were the Canadians good last year? No, 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 very no. They weren't. They got carried by Carey Price and a, the, a weird playoffs again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they're very not good. And I think Ben. I don't. I don't pay no, enough attention to Montreal Canadian games. But isn't Ben? I mean, is Ben Sherrod a big reason for it? What are his numbers looking like? For why they're bad? I, I have no idea. I haven't even looked into Ben Chirot's number because I really have no faith that this deal will go through. The only reason that I could see the Penguins going for a defenseman is to replace one that they're sending out for a top six forward. Now, Pierre Lebrun reported that the Penguins are looking for that top six forward, but they want him to have tenure. They want him to have a contract that is controllable for more than past this season. They Basically, they don't want a rental. So the only reason I could see the Penguins wanting a defenseman in return at all before the trade deadline is to make up for the loss of either Marcus Pedersen or John Marino or whoever gets sent out prior to Monday, if that even ends up happening. You have to find a partner in order to do that. But Ben Sherratt, is that the guy? And especially the fact that if there is a first-round pick on the table, do not ever not ever, I shouldn't say that, but in this case, with this team, with this lineup, do not trade a first-round pick for any defenseman, let alone for a guy like Ben Sherratt. He is not worth it. He's a rental first and foremost, and second of all, he is not that good. He isn't. Why would you want to bring in a guy that is basically at the same level of your healthy scratch right now in Marcus Pedersen? And if they do bring in another defenseman, you know what that does tell me, though? It tells me that they're not confident in P.O. Joseph this season. And that is, that is really depressing to me. If you bring in another defenseman because you don't have faith in your best defensive prospect, then you have some issues on your hands. So I don't think the Penguins should trade for a defenseman. I sure as hell don't think that they should be trading for a guy like Ben Sherratt, especially if the price tag comes with anything like a first-round pick. Hell no. And you know what? If you're not confident in B.O. Joseph this year, so be it. Mm-hmm. You know what? You still have six, at least six other defenseman who can get it done correct so be it fine even if you trade one away you still have a top six yeah so be it so be it if you're not into them Mm -hmm. so not it's still i don't care how confident the organization is in certain guys guess what we have six to seven defensemen that can get it done 
There's no need to add. Dear, for the love of God, everybody stay healthy. Yeah, but you still, even First if you don't foremost. like Theo Joseph, you still have Yusso Rigla as well, which even though the organization's not fond of him, I think that he would be perfectly fine if he had to play in the playoffs on a third-line role. Yeah. Play him yeah. with Chad Ruedel, and I think you're fine. Yeah, they would at least enjoy that. So let's move away from the bench rot rumors. Obviously, we've already talked ad nauseum about the Connor Garland and the Brock Besters of, of it all, but let's quickly talk about other players. Horwat, which players would you like to see on the Pittsburgh Penguins roster at this time next week? Just off the top of your head that you've seen in rumors, which ones would you like to see the Penguins go after? Uh, anybody that's a middle six, like a Connor Garland or a uh, Brock Besser for that matter. The new one was Dominic Kubelik. I don't think I'd hate that either. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what kind of um, situation that holds for the future because know, we know he's younger. Um, what is he able to demand in his next new deal? He's an upcoming RFA. He's already making 3-7. Am I reading that right? Yeah, he's already making 3-7, so that's a lot for an upcoming RFA. Uh, you have to, you just have to wonder who would be shipped out the other way. Mm-hmm. I'm all for adding a top six or a middle six forward, and that's kind of my main focus here. Uh, I can't, it's hard to come up with specific names, especially in the trade deadline, because I just work on a basis of you tell me who we get, and I will have the opinions from there. Mm-hmm. I'm not. You're not big shouting, into the rumor mill. Yeah, I'm not shouting from the rooftops of give me this person. Not often do I do that. So, if I had to pick a name, I like the new Kuba League idea. I like that new option. Uh, Garland and Besser, we went over. There's pros and cons to both of them. Mm-hmm. Um. But for what it's worth, just anybody who can play middle six and go from there. Yeah. When it comes to Kubalik, of course, he is 26 years old right now. He's on an expiring contract. So for that, at least, it doesn't really fit the mold of what it sounds like the Penguins are looking for because they're looking for somebody with contract that goes in a little bit further. I think if you're looking at Chicago, Brandon Hagel fits that description a little bit more as he has two more years left. And we've already talked about Hagel and I talked about him on a article that I wrote earlier in the week, so you can go check that out on my Twitter page, but Kubelik himself, and I I did see that yesterday, obviously we're in the same group chat, but he has steadily declined for the Chicago Blackhawks since he came into the league. Obviously 2019-20, he came out like a ball of fire when he was 24 years old, 30 goal season in his rookie year. There's a reason that he was a Calder finalist in his rookie year. He had 30 goals, 46 points, something to build off of, but then last season he went down to 38 points in 56 games with a 17 goal season. And now in 60 games this year, he only has 11 goals and 21 points. So I don't know if it's a change of scenery thing, but for where the Pittsburgh Penguins are at right now, don't make a move just to get a guy for a change of scenery. Make a move for a guy that is having success that you believe will have success when he comes over. Now, do they need to send out a guy that needs a change of scenery? Yes. His name's Kasperi Kapanen, but I won't belabor the point on that. I won't continue the point on that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing Dominic Kubelik because we have seen him. He is a 30-goal scorer, which nobody can take away from him. But at the same time, I think there are better options out there. If it comes down to it and he's the only guy the Penguins can get, it won't be awful. But again, better options out there. I like, I mean, Hagel, I already mentioned him from the Blackhawks. We've talked about your boy, boy, Callie. Callie Yarncroke is on the block for the Seattle Kraken. I honestly, and I know he won't be traded because... Seattle's not even close to giving him up. 
if the Penguins could pry Yanni Gord away from the Kraken, from their cold, dead hands, that would be, I mean, it fits everything. He has a contract that goes beyond this year. It's about $5 million. He's a guy that can play up and down your top nine. He's a guy that I would be willing to trade. Hey, here's our first round pick. Your goaltending issue is scarce and you're an expansion team. Take your pick, Callie Klang or Joel Blomqvist. Who do you want? And then I'd say, okay. And then you can also have Poulin for Yanni Gord. That's that's the price that you're paying. I'm fine with that, especially because you're going to get him for the next, what, four seasons? Basically the rest of Malkin, Crosby, and Latang, if they're all together for the next four. You have Yanni Gord as well, a guy that can play your third-line center, a guy that can play second-line wing, a guy that plays a playoff style of hockey and has a Stanley Cup pedigree. I know that it's probably a waste of my breath to talk about it because I don't think Seattle, I don't think Ron Francis is in the business of dealing Yanni Gord, but he's their second-line center. They just locked up Jared McCann for five years. If you give them enough in return, maybe you get them to start thinking about it. I know that it's probably not going to happen, but that is that is my pipe dream of Yanni Gord. Yeah. That's why I'm like, wearing I blue like, today. It's... It's the yeah, it's the 2021 off-season bill back for us. Mm-hmm. That was a big talk over the off-season, I think too. Um, and that's not one you totally hate. It is just far-fetched a little. Mm-hmm. I always look at an expansion team as: Do you really want to make a splash move? Because you're still new. Um, Vegas's case, they were better, uh, but you have to. I don't know, like build some fanfare around certain guys Yanni Gord seems like a guy they can do that for do you want to tank that right away and give them someone like a Kesberry Kapanen and all of a sudden they're worse see here's the thing I think you could sell them on and ignore the the legere because that's not what I'm thinking actually if you give them a first round pick that helps them build for the future. If you give them Klang or Blomqvist, that gives them a goalie to hope for for the future. Then give them John Marino or, or, or Pedersen. If you're willing to get rid of one of those guys for a Besser or a Garland, they're they're about the same level as a Yanni Gord. I wouldn't mind making that package for Yanni Gord. It might be a lot, but it, as of right now, the fact that nobody's making any moves, I feel like any moves that are made are going to be expensive. Yeah. tell And you, with the defenseman, you could tell them, hey, you got to fill in for Giordano, which... The fact, like, that's what I'm getting at, too, is the fact that Giordano's been rumored to me on the block all season is he he got picked there and was immediately named the first captain. What do you mean he's on the block? That's not good, like, fanfare building. That's, the fans need a, need a guy to get behind when it's a new team, right? Well, here's Mark Giordano. They smacked the C on him. Cool, let's ride behind that guy for, like, the average fans. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know much about hockey. We're learning the sport. He's the captain. You follow towards him. Oh, that guy's gone. You—that's you, fanfare. Uh, what's it called? Destruction. Yeah, you're—it's—it's a, it's a decrease in getting your fans in the building. It's again, it's for the for the elite fans like us. We understand the game. We understand the ins and outs. It makes a little sense to ship out your old guy. <laughs> but the fact that they picked him and immediately slapped a C on him, mm-hmm. first captain in team history. He played five games, essentially, in the in the grand scheme of 
their franchise down the line. It's you're gonna look at your first captain and say, well, he played here for like half a season. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember the Penguins' first captain because I know he didn't last long, but I don't think we traded him in the middle of the season. Yeah. I, I don't know about all that. I also don't think, and we don't have to get into this because it's it's a very off-topic situation. I'm but, getting into nuances now. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think this. that they're necessarily new fans in Seattle because if you look at where they're at, they're in the middle of like the WHL is right there. Yeah. And also the Vancouver Canucks are right there. I don't think there are a lot of new hockey fans in Seattle. I'm sure there are a lot of them that haven't, you know, followed the sport as much, but realistically, I'm sure they're a little bit more there's more hockey fans in Seattle to start off with than there were in Vegas. Let's put it that way, I think. So, I don't think they have to worry as much. I mean, you have McCann, you have Brandon Tanev that that are guys that galvanize the the franchise there. So, I think that there's people that they could use and obviously like Eberly was their first all-star. He's a guy that that is loved there. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but I also think it's very unlikely that, that they get rid of Yanni Gord. Again, just a pipe dream. But uh, there's one last player I do want to talk to you about because he is rumored to be on the move. Uh, Steve Eiserman has put out the fact that this player is available from the Detroit Red Wings, and that's Tyler Bertuzzi. Now, he comes with his own issues, meaning if you run into a playoff series against a Canadian team, he will not be playing in half of the games or even over over half of the games if you end up being the road team what do you think of the potential of a tyler bertuzzi trade to pittsburgh that's an interesting one i haven't heard it i don't know what to i don't know what to feel about it because i am putting personal decisions aside and trying to think of it from a hockey standpoint and it's still just confusing to me because i thought uh detroit really liked him but i guess i mean again i don't know what the numbers are i don't know what the ins and outs are um, it's an interesting one. How are his numbers this year? Do you have those at all? I do. He, he has 24. He has a career high 24 goals this year so far. He's missed nine games just due to Canada, Canada, but he has 24 goals, which is a career high. He has 48 points, which is a point shy of a career high in 50 games. So 48 points in 50 games played this year for the Detroit Red Wings. For the Detroit Red Wings. Um, uh, yeah, as a hockey move, I don't hate it. At all. And the way now he plays the game, I love it as well. Yeah, now hearing the numbers as a hockey move, I really enjoy that. That's that's fun. But who are you giving up for? Like, what is Detroit? What is Detroit trying to do? Because they're a middling team. They're not bad this year. Well, they're ironically somehow the first team out in the East, aren't they? <laughs> I don't think it's ironically somehow. I think they've built very well up to this point, and they're starting to come out of a rebuild. Now, I, I do think that they're not quite there yet, and you've seen that, obviously, at the beginning of the season. They were consistently in the top three or in the playoff picture from the Atlantic Division, but they've fallen off, which is the true sign of a team that is very young and just doesn't have it quite yet. But they're on their way up, and honestly, Tyler Bertuzzi, he's a little bit older. He's like Anthony Mantha when they traded him last year to the Washington Capitals, and if they can get a young player back, I'm sure they'd be asking for a Poulin or a Legere. I'm sure they would also probably want a first round pick that's probably what they're looking for in return for da- tyler bertuzzi who is a gift wrapped top six forward right now yeah my my thought process is i'm okay i'm okay and i'm accepting of trading away a first round pick it's just you got to get the right player back you do you do and i i don't see too many guys on the block that are the right player for a first round pick in my opinion no granted it's a penguins first round pick so it's like past 20 Mm -hmm. Uh, but still there's a lot of diamonds in the rough in hockey so you never know 
just, just giving up that first round pick is just so interesting to me that I almost don't want to do it for anybody that we mentioned. So we'll really? do like players and maybe a second. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm stingy with a first round pick. I, I rate I rate a first round pick pretty highly. Even I probably shouldn't, but I do. That's the difference between you and me right now. Because to me, a Penguins first round pick right now means absolutely nothing. That's I, I understand, especially that. considering what the NHL draft looks like next season. Like, uh, it, it's okay, again, but it, it's not anybody, in my opinion, up to this point. I have not seen anybody that will go in, in that area of the draft that I'm like, yeah, he'll be good when Crosby's still good, or he'll be good when Malkin's still good. And that's all that has to matter right now, right? Like, I know a lot of people want an eye on the future, but let's look at it this way. You only get a player like Sidney Crosby. For the Penguins, they've been lucky enough to get him basically back-to-back with Lemieux and Crosby. You might not get another player like that for 20 years. Who knows? I mean, the chips may fall a different way. You might not get that type of player for two decades or maybe ever. Some teams have never had that type of player. So the fact that you have him, the fact that he is still playing this well, screw the first round pick. Screw that 22nd overall pick. This isn't the NFL draft. You don't get players at the same value that are going to immediately make the impact throughout the entire rounds of the NHL draft. Trade that first round pick. Get somebody in return. There Again, I agree. I wouldn't give it away for just anybody. But Bertuzzi, I feel like, would be worth it. The only thing with Bertuzzi, it does worry me that if you run into Toronto, I understand it has to be probably the Eastern Conference Finals. But if you run into Toronto and you've gone on that run, all of a sudden, you're losing a top six guy. Not to injury, but because he can't play in half the games. And then, God forbid, you get to the Stanley Cup and you face, like, a Calgary? Calgary. I was just looking at the teams in the playoff hunt right now, which it looks like the only Canadian teams are Toronto. Edmonton's in there. Edmonton just squeaked back in there. And Calgary. Yep. There's three. Vancouver is kind of making a run, but I don't expect them to actually make it at this point. They're only three behind Vegas. I know. I I know. And they're a good team. I really, I'd like to see Vancouver. Honestly, I'm, I'm rooting for Vancouver to get into the playoffs because I think it would be just chaos considering how bad they were at the beginning of the season. But And for how Vegas is trying their damnedest to do the cap thing. And if they just don't get the chance, it'd be so funny. Yeah. So I just, when I look at it, that's what scares me. Like, I like the player. I do. I don't know what I would pay for the player. I would imagine, like I said, I, that it would look basically exactly like the Anthony, Anthony Mantha trade for the Capitals and the Red Wings last year, which was, I believe, a first-rounder, a second-rounder, Jacob Vrana, and Richard Ponick. Do you think that little Canada caveat has a tax for the... Does that, like, basically get taxed out for the that, Red Wings? Like, for, do they have to give up a little extra, or do they get a little less in return because he is forcibly, for the rest of the season, playing fewer games? Now I'm going to quickly look at the Penguins' schedule. They don't play in Canada anymore. They're done playing in Canada? Yeah. Okay. Um... Until the playoffs, if need be. So I don't think that like, I don't for, think they end up playing for it because if if you try to get if you try to turn that first round pick into a second or third round pick, Eisenman is going to say if you play Toronto. Yeah. And what do you, what else is he, he going to say? He's going to say you would play Toronto in the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay, fat chance first of all, and then you yes. would play Calgary or Edmonton in the Stanley Cup Finals. Again, fat chance. All of those three teams have not had playoff success. They've made the playoffs in the past five years, but none of those teams have had any success, and especially in terms of the Edmonton Oilers, 
and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So he's going to say, you want to take the price down because of that? You can, you can get off my lawn. Okay. You can, you can hang, I'm going to hang up the phone now. Do not call back Hextall. That's what he would say. If Hextall asked to take the price down because of a potential matchup with a Canadian team in the postseason. but it's still scary. For sure. And I wasn't even thinking postseason tax on that. I was purely thinking for if there was any penguin games left in Canada or even like any other teams that, Detroit may want to ship him to. Yeah. Is there going to be as little, hey, we were going to give you a first, but then we remembered we have three games left again. Maybe it's a West Coast team. Yeah. We have three games left against Edmonton, or two in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Can that be a second? There's a little tax that might come along with that, and that was kind of the softball I was tossing. Yeah. But uh, with the Penguins not playing anymore in, in Canada and the slim opportunity of making it, to play one of those three teams mm-hmm. um it's slim to none so you kind of take those odds on it but yes yeah, so there's no tax for the penguins certain teams might have one uh and i don't hate the idea again uh it's just for what it's worth i guess it doesn't mean much for the the personal reasons doesn't mean much for the penguins anymore because we don't we don't have to worry about it until i would imagine by next season shove. that's going to be the border uh, issue is going to be yeah. under control if not i mean whatever but like I said, there is a little bit of control on his contract. He has one year left after this one at $4.75 million. Uh, the only other thing that I saw, and this was from an article that Frank Saravalli wrote, <laughs> this little quote is why, like, initially I was like, okay, it's not worth it. Then this quote, and looking at everything else, of course, 48 points in 50 games is good. But seeing the fact that one team this week referred to Tyler Bertuzzi as, quote, an incredibly annoying slightly less skilled version of Brad Marchand. Uh, the Penguins uh, would love to have a player like that. You can say what you want about Brad Marchand. To have a incredibly annoying, slightly less skilled version of Brad Marchand, that is a compliment. And that's how it was taken. That was how it was written, as a compliment. And if the Penguins could add that to a second line, add that to a line with Evgeny Malkin, you, can you imagine how much less red mist Malkin will get into if Tyler Bertuzzi is out there doing that instead? Or it might be more. I mean, who? Knows? it might be more. They might rile each other up. But at the same exact time, say what you will about Brad Marchand. Every team wants a Brad Marchand. And this could be the Penguins' version if they pull the trigger. At the end of the day, I don't think it's happening. But I do think that even though it scares me a little bit with the potential of losing him and, and trading all these pieces for a guy that you can't have for half of a series potentially in the playoffs, it scares me. I do think it would be worth the first rounder, an NHL player, and a prospect. That's Man. All right. I mean, again, I I think I was so hell-bent on building for the future, not not in the too far too distant fe- uh, past that I still hold on to some of that. Um, I do want to see a good future for this team, but like I mentioned last episode a few episodes ago, it's there's a whole new uh, view excuse me, on the Penguins, and that is, hey, trade away our top prospects. We're trying to win now for these guys. Mm-hmm. And it's it was a quick change, and I'm still trying to circle that curve. Yeah. So, who knows? Obviously, four days until that. At the end of the day, literally, it's it's the week before the deadline. Nobody has been talking. So at the end of all of this, it's basically like who actually knows? Nobody. Like there's 32 people that know, and they are the general managers of the hockey teams that we are talking about. But at the end of the day, nothing has happened as of yet for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Only rumors circle around this team heading into the deadline. Four days until that point. We will be talking on Monday 
in an episode about the trade deadline. Hopefully by that point, we have a trade to talk about for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We are talking about a Tyler Bertuzzi, a Connor Garland, a Brandon Hagel, a Dominic Kubalik. That's the goal. So hopefully we have that. But for right now, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, shout-outs and call-outs to end this episode. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. For what? We obviously talked a lot about the trade deadline. It's coming up in four days. We'll see what happens with it, and we will discuss whatever happens with it on this platform. But let's talk shoutouts and callouts. And with that, I do, I do want to talk a little bit about an athlete that is making his way to Pittsburgh. And that is my shout-out this week. Shout-out to the Pittsburgh Steelers for signing quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. He signed with Pittsburgh this week, two years, averaging $7 million a year. Think about the fact that Aaron Rodgers is currently getting paid $50 million a year. I know Mitchell Trubisky to Aaron Rodgers is not even close to being a comparison. But $7 million for your starting quarterback, not bad. No, well, no, it's not. But he could be. I don't, he could be. I don't think he, he could will be. be. I don't think he will be. I, I really don't. Former second overall pick, so he has a pedigree to him. He took the <laughs> Chicago Bears to the playoffs twice. The the freaking Bears, Horwat. He took the Bears to the playoffs in a division where there was no chance they were getting the first seed. They basically had to hope and pray for a wild card spot. He was able to do it twice with Matt Nagy's goddamn awful offense. He was an MVP candidate in 2018. He had an 11-3 record for the Chicago Bears. Let's not pretend that him doing that, in spite of the fact that Nagy did not want to perform the offense that would be best suited to him, I would say that he has a pretty decent opportunity. There's a reason that the New York Giants were trying to get him there, that Brian Dable, his offensive coordinator from last year in Buffalo, was trying to get him there. And the fact that they signed him for cheap, which means they were able to go out and build the offensive line, which is what they've been doing the rest of this week. They're able to go out and sign different players, which is what they've been able to do this week. I think is a very astute move by Colbert and the Pittsburgh Steelers front office. I, 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 here's the, here's my thoughts on it. Is I don't totally hate it. I don't. It's just very funny. I'd I'd rather have Trubisky over the horse's ass that is Aaron Rodgers or the uh, drama and just not so goodness of Deshaun Watson. While those two are definitely more talented, I don't want that in Pittsburgh. I don't care for like like I don't care for Aaron Rodgers' nonsense. Um, I don't care for just anything that might come along, all the baggage that might come along with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo is just gonna cost a lot of money. Um, but this Mitch Trubisky thing has just been the talk of the talk of the town. Well, yeah, as you can everywhere expect, it's the Steelers look. and the Steelers are king in Pittsburgh. Oh, and, and you're coming in for the Hall of Famer that's been here for 20 seasons. Yes. Like it's it's a different level of it's a different level of Pittsburgh being spoiled. The fact that we see a name like Mitch Trubisky come in and we go, "That's not a good player," so we're not gonna like it. 
that's the thought process for Pittsburghers. It, it is. Um, like I said, I don't hate it. It's. I'd rather have him over a bunch of other names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is just... It, it wouldn't be a shout-out for me, but it also wouldn't be a call-out for me just because it is just the safe pick. That's what it is. It's the safe. We're going to suck this year. Everyone get ready. If Mike Tomlin can pull a winning season out of this, oh, he's done it. This team is going to be, be-, be better this year than they were last. I'm going to tell you that right now. They're, they're going to be better this year than they were last. You have Najee Harris, who is in his yep, second, in year. second year. He, he finished fourth in in rushing yards with the worst offensive line. There, there's a reason their rushing attack ranked 28th, yet he was the fourth best running back for as far as yards was the fourth best running back. He's going to have an offensive line now because you made this decision. And also the people that wanted Jimmy G, the people that wanted Deshaun Watson. When is the, the Steelers have only traded away their first round pick once. That was to get Minka. Very happy about that. Did you really think they were going to trade three first round picks? Really? That's not what this, this that's not what this organization does. It isn't. The fact that they were able to go out, they got a cornerback, that helps. They got two offensive linemen. One of them was a great move. And they still have money to go out there as free agency technically starts on Wednesday, even though there's the legal tampering period. Football is weird. But they have space to continue to go out there and get more people. I also thought it was hilarious that there was a tweet and a report that Juju Smith-Schuster has gotten zero interest around the league. Oh, he he hurt himself, man. That injury. Well, he got injured. I mean, you can't. I know. That's what I'm saying. That. that injury screwed him. Hey, that injury screwed. Come him. back for another year. I wouldn't mind it. You got to take a discount. Oh yeah. I want the Steelers. Oh, yeah. Realistically, I don't want the Steelers to get. I mean, I'd like Juju back because I like Juju, and I think he's a pretty good receiver and this is going off topic from Trubisky which I again very happy with that signing so if you want to argue with me over that my Twitter is at Nick underscore Berlansky come at me I'll come right back at you and I'll tell you why Trubisky is going to be the best quarterback the Steelers have had the last three years because Ben has been a shell but overall I want to see the Steelers receiver wise bring in a guy like Jarvis Landry who just got cut by the Browns bring in somebody who is an experienced veteran that will be able to lead this team and somebody that can play the slot. I mean, Deontay Johnson does both. I think he's more effective on the outside, but you need somebody in the slot to take danger into the middle zone of the defense so you can finally get Chase Claypool over the top. That's what you need. Yeah, it'll be a fun season. I'm excited. It'll be a new season. Correct. And, And new is sometimes exciting. Like We were excited at the beginning of this Penguin season because, oh, we get to see what this team looks like without Crosby and Malkin for the first time in a long time. Now, was it pretty? No, because obviously you're expecting those guys to be back. Cap hits are there. This is the first time in 18 years the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to trot out there on Sunday and the starting quarterback is not going to be Ben Roethlisberger. Whether he's off the field, on the field, it's Ben Roethlisberger is not showing up. Ignoring that 2019 season, of course. Well, he was injured. He showed up at the beginning of the season. And there was always the thought that he's coming back. You have to prep for the future. Yeah. And I do I, I do find it best that they brought in someone who, again, isn't the talent and is going to try and push uh, Mason Rudolph to try and do something. And even better, possibly even actually draft a quarterback somewhere along the way and grow him into the future. Maybe. It is, a, it is the smart play. Yeah. Taking Trubisky. It's not... You've set yourself up for the future. Um, who knows if he's if he's even good here? 
in a Jimmy G or a Deshaun Watson. Not saying that they'd be bad, but who you never know sometimes. Mm-hmm. It is the smart play of here's the middling guy who's not going to cost a ton of money. It's only for two years. He might be able to battle Mason Rudolph for a spot. He might take the spot from Mason Rudolph, but then you know what we can do? Draft somebody. Doesn't even have to be the first round that we draft this quarterback in. Yeah, I've said that for a while, that maybe you draft the quarterback with your 20th overall pick. Honestly, there's a lot of good offensive linemen in this draft. Draft another lineman. Keep adding to that line. You could have Desmond Ritter in the second round, I'm sure. He'll be available. Yeah, take a guy in the second round. Take a a quarterback in the second round. Let him... Jordan Love him. Sit him for a year or two while oh, Trubisky. Ooh, Jordan Love's been sat for five years. That, yeah, that, that boy was... needs to be released. Wrong example. But you... <laughs> Pat Mahomes in. Yeah. Pat Mahomes sat, his whole, sat out his whole first year. There you go. Yeah. Mahomes, that, Trey Lance. As of recently, we don't know how that's actually going to work out, but they did try. Yeah, and I'm not saying anybody we draft will you know, be Pat Mahomes, no. but you get what I'm saying. Sit him out the first year. Let him watch. I mean, yeah, you don't have. Yeah, it's not a veteran presence and a learning Still aspect learn of Mitch Trubisky. But you learn the league, and you learn do the it on offense. your own. So. Get a good quarterback coach in there, and you're, you're set. Yep. Well, what's your shout-out? We've gone very long on the Steelers talk. Uh, cool. Then I can keep this one quick because I want to shout-out Ed Sheeran for just popping up everywhere. Doing what he wants. Uh, just, you know how Snoop Dogg does what he wants? Or how Travis Barker is just everybody's feature these days? Ed Sheeran's like starting to do that grind. Um, he, during the Brit Awards, uh, has had to be a couple months ago at this point, of a completely different genre of music, uh, and Bring Me the Horizon, he performed with and then did a song with. I mean, it was just a, a remix and a rematch of Bad Habits, but you know what? It was damn good. And then just the other night, uh, I think Luke Combs was in England doing something, and, uh, oh, hey, here comes Ed Sheeran what <laughs> Ed Sheeran's just doing what he wants and it's really fun and I love when musicians do that because people may not have liked it but the first example I always think of was the time Blink-182 toured with Lil Wayne mm-hmm. uh, that's fun yeah just everyone needs to get off their high horse and their gatekeeping of music and just enjoy what is this like our generation and a generation younger than us that grew up enjoying and always listening to stuff like pop punk and rock music but then also the the surgence of hip-hop and rap now being the most popular genre of music mm-hmm. that's gonna happen sure it's a money ploy it's all these guys just making a ton of money because they're you know advancing on what is popular who cares they're having a ton of fun and it's a ton of fun listening to mm-hmm. I, ed sheeran's voice by the way fits country very well i feel <laughs> like ed was, sheeran's voice fits a lot of genres to be completely honest his i mean yeah he didn't do the singing a lot of the singing and the bad habits remake and bring me the horizon but his melodies and his vocals like fit into the song still and like his uh what's it called musicianship so he's just doing what he wants and it's a ton of fun i can't wait to see him have a feature with uh who's a big rapper these days Jay-Z, I don't know. <laughs> these, the, I like how you said these days, and then you say Jay-Z. Well, like, the first yeah. name I came up with was Kanye, and that, that's... Ooh, yeah, ooh. Ed Sheeran, an up-and-coming rapper, Jay-Z. Yes, 100%. Well, okay, to be fair, Bring Me the Horizon and Luke Combs are both not up-and-coming. I was They're trying not. to think of someone who was established, but also, but not that established. Yes, this, this, have you heard of this new rapper, this, this young kid coming up through the ranks? His name is Snoop Dogg. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's... Uh, 
it, it's fun to see stuff like that. Obviously, I like I think Ed Sheeran is hilarious, and I think that he's popped up in a lot of things. He popped up in freaking a Netflix movie last year, randomly. Just like, oh, yeah, that's Ed Sheeran. Okay, cool. And I thought it was a pretty funny uh, cameo that he had there. So I think that's pretty fun. Uh, let's move over to call-outs to sh- end off the show. Uh, my call-out, and this will be quick, anyone that says Michael Bunting from the Toronto Maple Leafs should win the Calder Trophy, first of all, shut up. Second of all, shut up. He uh, he plays with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Okay, Austin Matthews is going to win the heart this year, potentially, because he is ridiculously good. Mitch Marner is one of the best facilitators in the National Hockey League. Don't give me this crap that Michael Bunting, because his numbers are good, because he has 20 goals, 47 points, and 60 games played, that's great. And honestly, good for him, good for the Toronto Maple Leafs for finding a guy like that to be able to get that kind of production out of somebody that's not getting paid $8 million a year. But he should not win the Calder. I don't care about his age. That's not what this is about. It's not about his age. It's the fact that can we stop just because he plays in Toronto and just because he's a rookie, just because he's putting up these numbers, does not mean that he should be a Calder Trophy finalist. Trevor Zegras, Lucas Raymond, Matt Boldy, all way more deserving. They are driving play much more than Bunting is on their respective lines. Obviously, I think they're more exciting. I think they have brighter futures than Michael Bunting. And then if you take Bunting off, again, ifs and buts, whatever. But if you take Bunting off a line with Matthews and Marner and put him on a regular line, put him put him on the ducks, would he be able to do what Trevor Zegers is doing? No, I highly doubt it. Zegers is changing the game. Raymond is ridiculous in Detroit. And Matt Boldy has come out of nowhere to, fun- to be a huge star for a team like Minnesota who doesn't get the respect that I think it ever will deserve in the national spotlight and then that's all without the fact that Moritz Sider has been an absolute animal this season 20 plus minutes per game on the Detroit Red Wings as a 20 year old playing on the top pairing playing against the toughest opponents I mean he shut down McDavid on on a one-on-one one-on-one last night I believe it was Tuesday night ridiculous play and he's been doing stuff like that all season so I don't want to hear anybody say Michael Bunting should win the Calder because you're basically showing that you have Toronto bias at that point that's love it because I've only heard Toronto people say Michael Bunting should be winning that yeah and I love that you didn't even bring age into it because that's always the big discussion of we've we've already set the precedent that age doesn't matter we, we've set that precedent. Who Kaprizov won it last year. Panarin won it a couple of years ago. We've set that precedent. Um, but I just, I always, I just keep hearing the Michael Bunting thing, and I just go, oh, who? What has he done? Like, what He's has he done? Like, I, I don't want to take that yeah. away from him. But Rook, come on, Calder over like a bunch of twenty-year-olds. That you know how hard it is for young players to break into this league and have the impact that these guys are all having in in the same year. Like, it's a shame God, that they're I, all in one year. It's such a good rookie class. But Zegris is changing the game. He's literally could s- making it fun in Anaheim again. Raymond is good. Cider is good. And Boldy, again, not getting the respect that he deserves in this conversation. I could see Zegris winning and Toronto Old Heads getting upset because it's the internet. Uh, whoever He's only good because of the internet. What do you mean he's only good because of the internet? What? Yeah. <laughs> like, whoever wins the Calder, if it's not Michael Bunting, Toronto fans are going to be... Saying, oh, this is rigged. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I usually don't like to play the Toronto bias card, but that is absolutely ridiculous. At that point, Chris Kunin should have won the heart three times. If that's what we're saying. That's fair. And one of those years is whenever he played with Malkin, no less. Exactly. Oh, shit. That's funny. I I haven't put too much stock into talking about Calder because, you know what? It's the NHL Awards. We're going to be 
Oh, it's going to be long. We're going to be angry at at least two of them. I guarantee it. Uh-huh. So you're going to hate the way it looks. I guarantee it. Yes. Um, so I'm not taking a ton of stock into that talk. I did take a little stock into the NHL tweeting out the Jack Adams standings again. And that was going to be my call out. But then I remembered something else that was way funnier and it could lighten the mood. So quick, just non-descriptive call out of whoever the hell is running the NHL voting situation where they're like, hey, Mike Sullivan has uh, Malkin and Crosby again. He doesn't deserve the Jack Adams. You know who else had Malkin and Crosby? Dan Bilesma. He won the Jack Adams. Mm-hmm. Although he won it in the year one of them was hurt. But who cares? <laughs> they were both hurt this year. <laughs> who cares? It's just, I don't, yeah, I don't care about NHL awards anymore. But, but, you know what I do care about? Remember earlier whenever I said the Philadelphia Flyers don't have too much more to live for this year? Yes. Man, was that only given an exclamation point with a big fancy new contract for uh. Rasmus Ristolainen? <laughs> They, they keep the joy rolling in Pittsburgh. Five years, right? Five years? Yes. Five years, $5.1 million. Now, it is a pay cut. It is a pay cut by $200,000. It should have been cut way more than that, buddy. Should have should been, been cut, cut way off the more team. Should have been cut off the team, man. Oh, goodness gracious. How? Who's his agent? I don't know, but I, I need, need to contact him. I, I need his agent. Oh, this, how? How? Philadelphia shouldn't be signing anybody this year. Especially in during five the, years. During the season, no less. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it was bad. Oh, I had, like, all like more information up. I exited out by accident. I don't want to refine it. I just want to laugh at Philadelphia just because, what? The, of all teams to sign players in the middle of the year, it shouldn't be the team that should have been way better and are all of a sudden last in the division that had a very bad Islanders team in it for a little while. Yeah. Um, that's not a team that should be in the middle of a season going. New defenseman that we just got this year who might be doing okay. I don't know. No, Here's not. $5 million for five years. Is there clauses on it? I didn't. I guess I said I closed it all out, so I don't know. But just... I'm going to feel bad for them at some point, and I'm going to hate feeling bad for them. But for now, I'm laughing at it so hard. Carter Hart doesn't seem like he can do a damn thing anymore. And like we mentioned, like we were talking about Claude Giroux, they're looking to trade away their captain right around his 1,000th game. Oh, no, Philly. I, I'll i feel sorry next year if this continues. I won't. I won't. Because if they don't fire Chuck Fletcher at the end of this season, it's self-induced. That's totally fair. Exactly. Like I said, if it, it uh, it's uh. not only the fact that you're giving Rasmus Ristolainen, who is trash, and I continuously love to see the video of him body checking himself into the boards. Not only did you give him a five-year contract worth $5 million per year when he's not worth that at all, you also traded a first-round pick to acquire him in the first place. So... There- there are no clauses on it. They got that going for them. If they want to dump them off, they can. Congratulations. You basically made an awful situation 2% better. Yeah, really. But who's trading for that contract? Nobody. Nobody. That contract is worse than Mike Matheson's contract. That contract Somehow. is worse than Jack Johnson's contract was when the Penguins signed it. 
We're still paying that one. Correct. And we're going to pay that one for three more years after this one. They're going to, and they're going to pay that one for five more years. No, they're going to, they're going to buy that out. I don't think anybody's going to trade for that. They're going to have to buy him out after the third year. And it's going to be worse than the Jack Johnson one. That's going to be like, what buyout wise. I don't have my buyout calculator working in my head, but that's like pushes it out another five years at like 2 million a year. Doesn't cap friendly do a buyout calculator. It does, but I, I have, I do not have the time to do that right now. (laughs) The mental capacity. I wish I could remember where it was. Oh, dang it. Yeah. So, uh, shout out to the Philadelphia Flyers continuously making the wrong decisions is Chuck Fletcher. So if he, if he is still there after this season, you got to question if anybody's even paying attention in that, in that front office, but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're four days away from the NHL's trade deadline. Maybe Rasmus Rasmus line and gets packaged with Claude Giroux. Who knows? Uh, but that's going to do it for this one. We'll see you guys on Monday, maybe with the new Penguins trade to announce, but that's going to be it. Have a good weekend, everybody. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.